0: Hello everybody, Dr. Joe Vitale here with another Hypnotic Gold audio interview. I've been doing these interviews for six years, but this is the greatest moment of all time for me because I have a living legend in terms of marketing on the line. This is a man who has written books that have influenced me, come out with courses that have influenced me, and not just me, but lots of other people. He has written a whole series of no BS books because this guy is the professor of harsh reality as one of the back of the book says. I'm talking about Dan S. Kennedy. Dan Kennedy is a multimillionaire entrepreneur, trusted marketing advisor, consultant and coach to hundreds of private entrepreneurial clients, running businesses anywhere from $1 million to $1 billion in size. He influences well over 1 million independent business owners, including me. He's got uh, newsletters, telecoaching programs, local chapters, study groups that are following his work. This man has spoken all over the world. He's spoken maybe thousands of times to as many as 35,000 people at a moment. He's done corporate engagements for everybody from American Honda, uh, IBM, um, Pitney Bowles, Sun Securities, and a long list of other ones. He's a direct response marketing consultant and copywriter. He's the hidden genius behind full-page magazine ads you've read, TV infomercials you've seen, online marketing and direct mail you receive and probably responded to. He's routinely paid anywhere from $50,000 to $100,000 to $200,000 to do his direct mail, plus get royalties on top of that. This guy knows how to attract wealth. And that's what we're going to be talking about. He's got a whole series of books from the No BS Ruthless Management book to No BS Marketing to the Affluent, which I was honored to write the foreword to that book, No BS Time Management for Entrepreneurs, No BS Direct Marketing, No BS Sales Success, No BS Business Success. He also wrote other books like The Ultimate Marketing Plan, The Ultimate Sales Letter, which also deeply influenced me, co-authored a book called Uncensored Sales Strategies, But the one we're going to focus on is called No B.S. Wealth Attraction for the New Economy. I can go on forever giving a lengthy introduction. It would probably take a full hour about Dan Kennedy, but I'm going to make sure he's on the line and then begin an interview. Are you there, Dan?
1: I am. At some point, it becomes embarrassing to me and annoying to others. It's a pretty darn impressive list, and you are a nonstop,
0: prolific, productive guy. There's all these books. I only mentioned some of the titles. I think you've written 13 or more books in all and didn't even mention all the courses, The Renegade Millionaire and all these other things, your newsletters that you put out that I'm a member of and receive. It just goes on and on and on.
1: How do you find time? Well, you aren't exactly slow in this department either, (laughs) you know. Right, right. I, mean, I mean, between the two of us, we're out to sell millions of books, but one book at a time. Yeah, with a million titles. Yep. Um, um, look, I think the main issue about prolific output, as well as productivity, for me and really for anybody else, is a, a rigidly controlled work environment. Um, whatever whatever success environment means to somebody, they need to put it in place and they need to insist that it be honored by everybody else that, that they deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my case, I mean, I work a lot uh, in isolation and protected from interruption. Mm-hmm. And so as a writer yourself, you know that uh, that one completely protected day mm-hmm. is probably worth 30, 50, 60, 90 of what most people's days are yeah. because they're constantly reacting to everybody and
2: mm. everything
1: else around them mm-hmm. from email to tweets to people standing in the doorway to phone ringing to, mm-hmm. to on and on and on and on and on. And, you know, I don't operate that way. Uh, to, today, for example, is one of my two phone days a month. So for phone appointments and teleseminars and whatever, I mean, I've been at it since 7 o'clock this morning, and I have one more after you. I'll finish at 7 o'clock tonight. But then I'll be done with the telephone mm-hmm. for about seven days.
0: So you schedule that. You go ahead and say you have two phone days a month, and that's the only time you do them, and there's no exceptions for the most part.
1: Hardly any exceptions. Everybody gets fit into those days or they wait till the following month. Mm -hmm. and when it comes to practical application of the principles of attraction, I mean, one is, in the book, there's 28 magnets, but a big overriding idea is people respond um, to clarity, Mm -hmm. Um, and so uh, as long as there's compensating benefit to the other people that you're dealing with, you can generally decide to do business on your terms, and you can dictate those terms. Mm-hmm. In my case, with phone calls, uh, a client may initially think it's weird, you know, that they, that they can't get to me at a moment's notice whenever they have a brain fart. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but the compensating benefit to the client is, you know, look, when I'm on the phone with you, I'm on the phone with you. I'm yeah. not running through an airport talking to you on a cell phone, worrying about catching a plane. I'm not on a cell phone at the urinal uh, i'm I, I'm actually I'm not being interrupted by four people hanging around in my office. I've got your stuff in front of me, and you have my absolute undivided prepared uh, interest for the period of time we've agreed on the call and so uh, once people get it. I have no trouble at all uh, with that part of my regimen. And I've taught, taught this kind of approach to people in all sorts of different businesses who initially think they can't do it and people won't tolerate it and, oh, it's easy for you because you're Dan Kennedy, but I, all of those reasons. But really, people, uh, as long as you're not an interchangeable commodity – you can train customers and clients to do business, you know, with you as you please.
0: Well, I like that you said clarity. I know that there's 28 wealth uh, attraction secrets or wealth magnet secrets that are in your book. No BS wealth attraction in the new economy, and number 19 is
1: clarity. Yeah, I mean, most people are sort of foggy about everything, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, about their own intentions, um, about boundaries about goals, objectives, the way they work, Mm -hmm. as well as about messaging, Mm -hmm. um, how they communicate who they are, what they do, um, why people should do business with them, and so on to the marketplace, Mm -hmm. and even about the who, um, the, the market and the segment of the market and the precise customer and client that they are best suited for and ought to be trying to attract. So, you know, foggy thinking uh, generally does not produce great results. Mm-hmm. Um, on, a, on a mental level, um, the, the subconscious mind gets confused mm-hmm. and generally does not respond well to being confused. It likes real clear, specific directions. And the marketplace likes very clear messages, and customers, clients, and patients like great clarity in the communication they get from people who they do business with. So getting uh, precise uh, is a great way to attract more wealth uh, because it affects both you and it affects the people that you do business with.
0: And that's just one of the secrets in here. And we've kind of just jumped right into that. I want to set the stage a little bit. So let's back up just for a moment. Because in the in the front of the book, you have this bold statement where you say, the old economy is shattered and gone forever. And you go on to say, it's never coming back as it was. And you go on to say, while time honored, reliable business strategies and skills continue to have their place are even more important than ever, They must be combined with new, more creative, and agile thinking and tough-minded and disciplined methods in sync with the realities of the new economy and the demands of consumers and clients. And all of this is circulating around an unusual title in terms of what you normally put out, Uh, calling this book Wealth Attraction. What do you mean by wealth attraction in the new economy?
1: Well... Most people are in pursuit of mm. rather than strategically engineering the attraction of. Mm. And so, you know, pursuit automatically creates resistance. So on a very simple level, if if somebody walks into a store and they have actually gone there to not just to browse but to look for some something, Mm-hmm. And a clerk comes up and says, can I help you? Nine out of ten people will say no and back away.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's instinctive. It's hardwired. It's ingrained um, to back away from the hunter. Mm-hmm. And so in a big, broader sense, anything and everything we're doing that is felt as hunting um, causes people Opportunity, cooperation, money, et cetera, to back away from us instead of to come toward us. Hmm. So I view this book as dealing in the realm of practical applications and business applications of the metaphysical principle of attraction. Hmm. And so these magnets are really about things to do, not so much things to think. Um, and and it is my belief that behavior um, uh, uh, in a personal sense and process in a business sense matters more than anything, even more than attitude, Uh, Mm -hmm. although I acknowledge it's a closed loop. So this really is about how to strategically engineer attraction into the way you do business so that people seek you out or feel that they are seeking you out Mm. do not perceive you as a hunter and afford you status above that of merchant or salesman you know I have this saying that the last thing on earth you ever want to be perceived as or thought of as is another salesman Mm. and so uh, when I talk about attraction that's really what I'm talking about is is is, is strategic engineering in business processes, in advertising, marketing, promotion, uh, in personal behavior, in positioning uh, that causes your ideal customer, client, or patient to seek you out. As to the relationship to the new economy, we aren't going to see uh, 2006 and 2007 again for a long, long, long time. Mm. Um, All of the economic fundamentals tell us that. Um, Industries have shrunken. And above all else, the power has totally returned to the consumer. Mm. So we now live in a buyer's market, not a seller's market. And they know it and increasingly know it. So the tolerance for mediocrity, for ordinary, for replication, duplication, same as um, it is rapidly approaching zero tolerance. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it is producing opportunity because of thinning of herds. Dar- Darwinism is, you know, at work. <laughs> um, Alive and well. I mean, some industries, the population of salespeople in them or business people in them is down 50% in the last 36 months. Others, it's down by 10% or 20%, uh, but, but there are fewer of just about all providers of all things, and that means opportunity for the astute and agile ones. I mean, those of us who really adapt to the power shift to the buyer and come forward with, uniqueness, with specialness, um, uh, with, with very well-matched uh, message to market, will all do very, very, very well. Well, let me ask you
0: a couple things here, because I know that you are big in taking action, and so am I, and you were talking about behavior, <clears throat> which is directly related to taking action, but the first couple, maybe two or three of the wealth magnet tips in your book or secrets really do have to do with a mindset. They have to do with a way of thinking. And it's almost like the groundwork there, because the first one and the second one fascinate me. I've been revisiting your book, The No BS Wealth Attraction in the New Economy, most of today, just on and off. And the very first one, for example, no guilt. That's a mindset. And can you explain what
1: that is? Well, yeah, you're right. There is a, you know, there is... A, We'll use the term mindset or, or philosophical
2: mm-hmm. or
1: conceptual basis mm-hmm. uh, to be able to use um, uh, tools, techniques to be able to take action on uh, yeah. behavior and, and process, right? Yeah. I mean, so if we, if, if, if we assemble an army and we equip them with the best state-of-the-art high-tech killing weaponry, but we've assembled an army of conscientious objectors who are, who are all Amish.
0: Right. Uh, um, uh, uh,
1: we can get beaten in the battlefield by a bunch of guys with sticks and rocks, mm-hmm. right, because they'll never pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. And so certain philosophical bases have to be in place um, for personal behaviors to occur and for business uh, tools to be used. One of those um, is is the is the realization that money is is not about a zero sum game mm. that whatever we take doesn't somehow punish or short someone else um, the starving are going to starve tonight um, whether I eat steak or whether I don't eat steak. Mm-hmm. Um, and, in fact, in a bigger sense, they're more likely to starve if I stop spending money on steak mm. uh, than if I eschew it uh, because there will be less money in circulation, um, less jobs created, less opportunity, and so forth. So- I had dinner with
0: Paul Zane Pilzer, who said about 300 people are involved in any one meal that you have when you eat out.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great example, right? And so, you know, like one of the things that I talk to people about this is you can usually get a rise out of people when you say to them, uh, Bill Gates owns a 66,000-square-foot house.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And most people do not respond well to that. You know, some people respond, how outrageous. Imagine how many homeless people you could house um, if you lived in a modest-sized house and spent all that money housing, you know, the homeless. And 66,000 square feet is a pretty big amount of space.
0: Most people can't even imagine that, but that's bigger than a lot of malls I've been in.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you might actually be able to move the whole homeless bunch of Seattle in there, Mm -hmm. and Bill and Melinda might not uh, notice them for a week or two. (laughs) Um, uh, So some people, you know, react that way. Some people react um, uh, uh, how wasteful it is, or how arrogant it is, or, you know, but people have all sorts of negative reactions to it. But actually, um, regardless of any of that, the economic stimulus that he created by building, and furnishing, mm-hmm. and decorating, and undoubtedly, frequently redecorating a 66,000 square foot house, yeah. did far more for society that if he had built a 5,000 square foot house and given away the money uh, to whoever, uh, because the money invested and spent in that building recirculates all the time, the money given away tends to stop. Mm. So uh, he need have no guilt about his 66,000 square foot house, and we ought not be critics of it either. And so one of the f- philosophical bases, for, if you will, being able and willing to pull the trigger um, is an understanding that, um, that whatever we take does not diminish anyone else and we need not have any guilt over it. Um, and, in fact, uh, the more people we have uh, who, for whatever combination of reasons, have high ambition and, therefore, are high achievers, and who therefore um, create a lot of wealth and spend it as they please, the better off we'll all be. The guaranteed way for everybody to be brutally impoverished is for everybody to stop creating ambition, stop achieving, and stop creating wealth. Uh, that, That plan's been tried before. Uh, actually, on a number of occasions, it's why in Cuba the newest car is a 1963 Dodge. Right. <laughs> um, it, it, it's why even in even in England there's a significant number of homes with no central heat. Um, I mean, it, 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 that plan doesn't work. Mm. Uh, so you're right. There are a handful of the earliest wealth magnets in the book that really address philosophical basis uh, more than they do anything else, and then we quickly shift into um, uh, the very pragmatic, the very Uh practical uh, Uh personal behavior and business process.
0: Well, before we go to any of those, and, I, and there's no way we're going to go through all of these. I, I just want to tell everybody. Gee, I hope
1: things. not. It would be nice if nope. somebody went and bought the book. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I want them to
0: buy all of your books. Uh, they need to go to nobsbooks.com where all of your books are listed, all of these No BS series books are listed, com, And, of course, your site is www.dankennedy.com. Yeah, I
1: actually have a special site for this call at some point. Oh, good. But- um, but and of course everything's available to amazon barnes and noble and all that too yeah
0: but i i have to go to number two because i just came out with an audio program with nightingale conant called the abundance paradigm and your wealth magnet number two is a belief in abundance and i i really want to hammer on that partly for my own selfish reasons but partly because i think for the people listening they need to really get this i have talked to multimillionaires who have said that they don't worry about failure or anything because they have this belief in abundance. They just go back to the well and dip into it again. But what what is the story on this? How can you have a belief in abundance when people are looking around going, look at the recession, look at the unemployment rate, look at what's happening to my business, look at the homeless, look at the foreclosures, look at my sales dropping. How do I have a belief in abundance? What do you tell those
1: wimps? Well, great, you know, great fortunes were made during the real Great Depression, too. Mm. Um, The truth of the matter about money is this. Money arranges itself into a pyramid, always has, always does, always will. And and, and it really doesn't matter whether the overall economy um, is ranked as good or poor at the moment. The money is still arranged in a pyramid. And by that I mean uh, in any population you want to put together whether it's the United States or it's the state of Idaho or it's the city of Cleveland or it's a suburb of Cleveland, whether it's all the life insurance salespeople in America or the top 10% producers in America, or you want to get 100 billionaires in a room, Hmm. you're still going to find a pyramid. And there's going to be 1% at the top, 4% near the top, uh, um, another 15% in the top third of the pyramid, and then the big, broad pyramid with 20% at the bottom, clueless, toolless, shoeless, broke, mm. and, and nothing will change that. Now, individuals may move, but the percentages never change. Um, the Social Security Administration keeps a variation of these stats. and They've been keeping them since 1963, mm. and they haven't changed one damn iota. Mm. Not, the Internet hasn't changed it. All the technology in the world hasn't changed it. All the education, the lowering of barriers left and right to doing well has not affected these stats whatsoever. So the, the real question for every individual is where on the pyramid they're going to choose to be, um, not where everybody else is going to be, because mm-hmm. you and I have no real control over that. Mm-hmm. We only have control over what you and I do. As to the size of the pyramid... Well, it's darn near infinite,
2: mm.
1: and it's easy to get narrow-focused. So, I mean, if you watch a lot of the United States news uh, at the moment, you, and, and you watch too much of it, um, we'll find you in the corner of the shower with cold water running and a bottle of <laughs> bourbon clutched in your hand. You know. um, and, and in various ways, it's easy to get narrow right? If mm-hmm. you hang out with poor people, you begin to think everybody's poor. If you live in a neighborhood where there's not much money, you begin to think that's the norm. Mm. Um, but, uh, but in the past year, the luxury goods segment of the market recovered better than any other segment of the market. Affluent spending is recovering at a faster pace than any other spending. Uh, in China... Uh, Of course, and in India, um, uh, their economy is fast-developing, even as ours is stagnating. Uh, There will be more new cars sold in China in the next 12 months uh, than have been sold in the United States in a decade. Um, And so when you broaden your perspective, uh, you see abundance. When you narrow your perspective, you may not. Um, And so... Really, money money, and wealth is in circulation all the time. It moves from person to person and place to place for its own reasons. No amount of government-slash-social engineering really will have any lasting effect on it. But there's no one, certainly in America, there's no one who is poor because of lack of opportunity. Hmm. Um, every day... Somebody starts even what I consider and what you might consider goofy businesses uh, that make money, um, online and offline. Um, I, I just came from a, a five-day conference where I was speaking, and, uh, and one woman came up and told me the story of her son who two years ago started a pickup dog poop business with one pooper scooper, you know, and um, he now has eight people working for him. Wow. And, um, and he just used the money that he's amassed uh, to buy an existing carpet cleaning business with five vans. And the two businesses together, by the time this year's over, will top out at a couple million dollars in our, our revenue. And the kid started just two years ago with a pooper scooper. <laughs> now, anybody, anybody can afford a pooper scooper. Are right. You, are you, are you know what I'm saying?
0: And there's plenty of crap out there to pick there's up, plenty so of that. crap
1: out there figuratively. And more coming. And li- literally. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's never lack of opportunity that stands in someone's way. That's just not the case here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It may be lack of information. It, may, it is more likely lack of ambition. It may be lack of role model and understanding of possibility, which is where guys like you and I come in. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh,
1: But it's not lack of opportunity.
0: Well, let me interrupt you for a second. I'm putting your book down, and i am just got a free form here, because I have questions on my mind. Some are coming from our conversation so far, and some were in my head to begin with, because here's my chance to ask Dan Kennedy anything I want. I got you captive for a little while. These people that you just mentioned that may not have any ambition – Because information is out there. They can find information on the Internet. They can find information in the public library. They can find information in your books, my books. There's information everywhere. What about this ambition part? That's more of an internal thing. If somebody doesn't feel ambitious but they're, for example, listening to this call because they're looking for their hope, they're looking for their inspiration, how do they flip that switch? How do they flip the mental trigger to suddenly have ambition or to release it if it's been there and they haven't taken fire?
1: Well, everybody gives lip service to it, mm-hmm. but to people like you and I, it is it is surprising often yeah. how few people have genuine ambition. Mm. And it's okay if you don't, as long as you consciously are aware of the choices you're making and are willing to accept the consequences. Mm. So there are business owners, for example, so I mean, I, you know, my life is about, providing advertising marketing sales and business improvement support to business owners and there are a lot of business owners who really do not have ambition they are what i call be your own bossers Mm -hmm. so that's the fellow that was an auto mechanic and he now he has his own auto shop but really all he wants to do is do what he was doing before without having a boss Mm. and his ambition is to make enough money for the bills to be paid to take home the same amount of money he was taking home before, not have a boss yell at him, um, and still be home by 5 o'clock mm-hmm. every day and spend a weekend goofing off. And as long as everybody's honest about that, it's fine. Now, he's not a guy you or I want to spend a lot of time trying to do anything with, mm-hmm. uh, but, but it's fine for him to exist. It, it's the person that really cons himself that it's unfortunate. Um, or or the person who just doesn't know, you know, they're not even really aware of possibility. Uh, That's unfortunate. As to where it comes from, how you create it, um, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the great mysteries of the ages, maybe,
2: Mm -hmm. is
1: why some people have it and some people don't.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I do know that, um, that some people can be dramatically affected by greater awareness of what's possible. Yeah. So yeah. kind of who you hang out with, <clears throat> where, what places you go, what you look at, what you observe, what you read. Um, you know, go to a boat show. It doesn't matter whether you're interested in boats or not. You're going to see a whole lot of people who have figured out how to make a lot of money, so much so that they can afford to buy a big box into which they pour money mm-hmm. that sits in the water. Uh th- that's a useful and an instructive exercise, um, reading the Rob Report every month, mm. uh, which is a magazine for the affluent. It's almost a magazine for people with, you know, so much money they don't know what to do with it. Yes, yeah. uh, uh, It's a useful exercise. Um, a speaker by the name of Charlie Jarvis, you may know Charlie. Mm-hmm. Y- years ago, Charlie looked San Marcos, Texas. He used to talk about every year when the dog show came to town. Yeah. He took his dog to the dog show, not because the dog could enter it because he was a horrible, ugly, mixed-breed, yellow-looking mongrel, but he just thought by osmosis, hanging around with a better bunch of dogs might help his dog. <laughs> well, you know, there's something to be said for that. That's exactly right. Uh, so, so that could help ambition. Um, a mentor can help ambition for mm. some people. Um, it can sort of help them figure out their reason to do better to do more to get smarter to get faster an old mentor of mine used to say the reason there aren't more millionaires is because more people haven't come up with enough reasons to be one Mm. and so some of it is about really determining how you want to live your life maybe what you want to do for others do you want to be free to pursue some passion or interest um um, and, and so that, you know, affects a lot of things. I mean, well, I also
0: know that you've done a lot of work and rec- republished the Maxwell Maltz's material. Do you do some of those exercises yeah. for yourself today? In other words, are you a meditator or a visualizer? I know you're a take-action guy, and you're very disciplined and relentless with this, and you're prolific, and we already hear about your heard about your twice-a-month phone calls, for example. But do you do that inner work?
1: Yeah, not... For example, I don't meditate. Okay. Um, um, I'm not a patient man. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, the cybernetic visualization stuff that comes from malts, um, I use in many different ways. Um, the programming of the subconscious. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of what I do is is write direct response copy mm-hmm. um, and, and or write books, newsletters, and so forth. Well, I write in my sleep, so I wake up in the morning with work already done.
0: Okay, so let me interrupt you there, because this is one author talking to another author. When you say you write in your sleep, do you command your subconscious mind or request your subconscious mind to do the writing, or is this happening without even you requesting it?
1: Well, both. Hmm. Sometimes it's spontaneous, um, but, and, and if you will, random. Mm-hmm. um and and i'm sure you do the same thing i mean you're never going to catch me without a, a scrap of paper or a pen right. or something in a pen because mm-hmm. you know you never know right mm-hmm. um but a lot of it is very deliberately the servant is asked to do some work while i go get get, get i get an nap
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um and quite literally uh i mean normally on a writing day I am from bed through shower to cup of coffee to computer in 20 minutes, and I'm dumping out through the keyboard what has already been done by the subconscious at night on request.
0: Interesting.
1: And and so that also loops all the way back to being prolific and and productive, right? Um, and, And so, I mean, I use the... Maltz's terminology, the theater of the mind for all sorts of things, mm-hmm. uh, predetermining the results of giving a speech, predetermining the results of a meeting with a client, um, although it is somewhat imperfect because of variables uh, still even um, getting ready to go drive a horse in a horse race. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the problem there is the horse is not using the same visualization
0: Right he didn't read Max all to the yeah. audios yeah. yeah,
1: and he weighs a couple thousand pounds and you know that <laughs> so that it's not like golf where it's where it's mm-hmm. where it's all you right mm-hmm. i mean I mean golf is totally a mental game um and whereas horse racing there's eight other guys out there, and there's the horse and so forth but uh but 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 still it has its place, so when and, it comes to
0: wealth attraction. Can you say that using the theater of the mind and Maxwell Maltz's methods and commanding your brain to uh, help you with wealth attraction is part of it? Now, I'm, I'm be- it's absolutely
1: part of it. If you don't do the mind work, mm-hmm. um, the mechanical work is at best a lot harder and slower, mm. um, and 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 at worst, um, never happens at all. Mm. So there's all sorts of like I'm a big psychological triggers guy, mm-hmm. what what you see in your own environment and what meaning it has to you. Um, I'm a big self talk guy. Mm. Um, I'm a mental rehearsal guy. Um, I, 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 I'm very big on your relationship with money, mm. um, uh, down to repetitive programming. Now it crosses now into behaviors, Mm -hmm. but um, like I think people that are really uptight about money Mm -hmm. um, have a rough time attracting it. So I'm pretty casual about it, and do behavioral things to be casual about it. Um, Yeah, in your
0: book you say it's just paper.
1: Well, it is just paper, and you, you you can. I did it for the first time at an event, and I hadn't done it in years, and I brought somebody up on stage, give them a $100 bill, an ashtray, and some matches, and make them burn it, and they, (laughs) you know, they shake. Right. I mean, they protest, Mm. and then they shake, and some people can't do it at all. Mm. Um, And and what it demonstrates is the incredible emotional Mm. relationship that we have with money that most people aren't willing to admit, and many people aren't even aware of, but they have it. And just as an emotional relationship with anything else or anyone else, if you don't manage it to work for you, it's going to work against you.
0: Um, yeah. you now, where I, now, where
1: I draw the line is mm-hmm. the, and I know you you do too, mm-hmm. is the is the extension of all of this into 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 mysticism. Yeah, where where somebody wants to. To believe that all they need to do is get the mental aspects of all this in line with the moon and the stars, mm-hmm. um, and then somehow they're either entitled to or will magically receive prosperity. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that I react to rather, you know, violently. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, and so I, I think it's very important for people to uh, to understand that um, you, you know you you can sit in a corner and think whatever you want to think, but if all you sit in a corner and do is think, um, whatever that outcome is, it's not going to be wealth. Um, so there are there are behavioral requirements. And in a business sense, there are process and procedural requirements.
0: Well, actually, your wealth magnet number 10 is do something. And you got that great quote in there from Gary Helbert saying, motion beats meditation. Motion beats meditation.
1: Yeah. Um, it, do something is it, 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 be somebody, be somewhere, and do some something are actually my three favorites.
2: Oh, okay. And,
1: and do something is the one that a lot of people – don't seem to have a grasp of.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, they, they really aren't doing much, and they aren't doing much consistently. They aren't doing much strategically. Mm-hmm. There's even been sort of a mm-hmm. popularization of avoidance of work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and it's my belief that in, you might as well try to avoid wealth if you're going to try to avoid work. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I now that doesn't mean that there's a profound work-money link Where it, 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 the amount of money you make Or the amount of wealth that you have is directly related To the number of hours you put in That's bad thinking mm-hmm. But the idea that we're going to somehow avoid work altogether uh, Seems to me all about unearned wealth
2: mm-hmm.
1: It is much more Sensible, I think, to to find a way to do meaningful and productive work that uses your best talents, that is genuinely interesting to you, that is rewarding to you uh, beyond the money. Mm-hmm. Not that anybody ought to do anything for free,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but that is rewarding beyond the money because the the most successful entrepreneurs I know and the wealthiest people that I know, generally for them, the line between work and play is blurred. Yes. And the poorest people I know, the line is clear and concrete. Mm. That's and, quite
0: an insight in itself. And,
1: and so it just seems to me you want to get as far away from the behavior and the thinking of the poor when it comes to this, and it's close to the behavior and the thinking of the rich. And for them, that line is blurred.
0: When you mentioned earlier you had different triggers, like psychological triggers, what, what's a trigger that you have maybe in your environment right now? I think it'd be, at least for me, I would love to know.
1: Um, well, uh, so one of the things that I I don't consider one of my top talents or abilities mm-hm and therefore I don't really enjoy it, is being on the phone. Oh, <laughs> um, and thank so, you for doing it for us. And so where, the, where I sit to do these calls, and you'll, you'll particularly find this amusing.
2: You're it's in Dean Martin's role?
1: No, I have a little rubber, squeezy Buddha doll
2: oh, yeah. with
1: a happy little face look on his face, and he's got a cup of coffee in one hand, and he's got a phone in the other, and he's talking on the phone.
2: That's a great trigger
1: It's this little bald-headed, naked little Buddha guy In a yellow robe With a great big phone in a hand And a big smile on his face Mm -hmm. And so he's perfectly at peace talking on the phone
0: Yeah, and Uh, I can feel it
1: um, I have a lot of money triggers You know, I have Mm -hmm. foreign currencies of the world Framed Mm -hmm. Million dollar bills Um, I'm a big Self-imposed time pressure deadline guy Mm -hmm. So uh, the last time I counted them, because I kind of collect them hmm. the last time I counted them in my in my whole office, I think I have hundred um, and thirty three clocks and so you can a <laughs> hundred
0: and thirty three clocks
1: yeah, and some of them are funny, and some of them are but i mean you can't you can 't look very far without seeing a clock um, uh, uh, you know in any di- direction mm-hmm. um, um i have a couple I have a big dynamite clock that Colin Powell gave me um, Nice. No. That, that pretty realistic. I mean, it looks like a big pack of dynamite, and it's got a ticking timer on it, you know, and a fuse and stuff. Because um, um, I'm very big on on working to to deadlines under self-imposed pressure. Hmm. Um, uh, 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 most people have start times; they don't have end times in anything they do, which mm-hmm. is why they don't get anything done.
0: Hmm. Um, so I think that's another secret to success, right there, having the end time.
1: I mean the stuff on my walls. I mean, you know, I, I, I used to have my uh, my mastermind groups in my house, and you know, people just they were just delighted on breaks and stuff to spend time roaming around looking at all. Yeah, i sure, I want
0: to see what Dan Kennedy has on his walls and shelves, and the yeah, little Buddha with
1: the phone. All, all my little stuff.
0: Well, you know, there's two or three things. I don't want to run out of time before getting asked some important things here. All of this is important, of course, but important to me, important on my mind. I find that people have uh, two or three areas where they really stumble across things. And one we talked about, and that's action. A lot of people just, and I say a lot, I mean an overwhelming, sweeping majority of people simply don't take action. They are sitting and waiting for money to come as a result of meditating or visualizing or intending or whoever knows what kind of voodoo mojo they're doing. So what do you say to those people who have not been taking action and they've been full of excuses?
1: Well, look, m- money is really reluctant to, like, beat down the door. Mm. Um, so y- 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 your your money is going to have a great deal to do with how, often you put yourself in its path. And so you're absolutely right. Most people, um, consciously and unconsciously, avoid confrontation. So this is the shopkeeper who prefers stocking the shelves Mm. to making a sales call. Mm. But the money's in the sales call. And so you've got to be enough of a... Taskmaster, um, you know I always say that the, 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 the person who who leaves a job and becomes their own boss you know there's there's two pieces of bad news that occur simultaneously. Um, one um, you're, you're, you're the boss and can now do anything that you feel like doing at any time you feel like doing it. And not do anything you don't want to do it. Anytime you don't want to do it. Um, and two, you're the employee, so you now have a bad employee you can't fire, and a dysfunctional boss. Um, and you know there there we are. So you have to be enough of a taskmaster of yourself to identify where 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 the path is, where the money is, um, and. And insist on putting yourself uh, in the path of money as much as possible, and identifying everything that you're doing that is not that, and stopping. Mm-hmm. Whether by delegation, mm-hmm. outsourcing, not doing it at all. Um, but but you got to be where the money is, mm-hmm. and 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 so first of all, most people never really like even indulge in that thinking. Yes. Um, so, you know, a conversation actually with most entrepreneurs about where is the money in the business? where Where's the money coming from? Even that conversation is is new to them. Hmm. It, it's, you know, it's not a conversation that people have with themselves um, or with peers or with associates. And often they can't tell you. Um, and, and actual, they don't even know. Actual work is required you know, to identify. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a lot of stuff that is being done that, well, why is it being done? Well, I, because we need to do it. Well, why do we need to do it? You know, does it produce money? What happens? Um, um, Ali, Ali Iacocca told me this great story about when he took over Chrysler mm-hmm. and, you know, it went through its rescue the first time. And, of course, Chrysler, What he got it was, once it was on life support i mean it was one step away from dead mm. and, and i was just told a similar story i just had a meeting two weeks ago with the ceo of tupperware and i was told a very similar story so so one of the things i said to i i said so like what's like one of the first things that you did he said well he said i started calling people into my office and had a chalkboard and i said show me on the chalkboard draw me a diagram of how of the path between whatever you're doing here and us selling cars and getting money. Mm. I want to see how what you do connects to selling cars and making money. And he said, if they couldn't do it in 10 minutes or less, I fired them. Wow. And, and, and he said, I got rid of a lot of people in a hurry. <laughs> and And we needed to cut, you know, pay payroll anyway. Mm. And so that seemed to me to be a perfectly good way to, cut it, and, and, and that'll sound brutal to people, it'll sound reckless to people, um, but let's remember the guy saved a dead company and became a, a great American business icon and a hero, and, and I think we have to do the same thing for ourselves and our activities. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I have this productivity question, which is, um, is, is what I'm doing... Uh, right now, moving me measurably closer to my meaningful goals, hmm. and if it isn't, uh, then you got to ask long and hard and tough why exactly you are engaging in that activity, or that responsibility, or that behavior, hmm. um, and 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 most people are not, you know, they're not that way; they have. What I call moral equivalency for unequivalent tasks, um, and so first of all, they're reactive; they tend not to be proactive, mm-hmm. and will give the same amount of time to A or B or C or D, or the same amount of resources to A or B or C or D, without without considering the relative merits of its pro- productivity or profitability, and. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you run a supermarket, you assign shelf space, um, good shelf space versus bad shelf space, uh, based upon how well the product does. It has to earn its square inches, and it has to earn its proximity Mm -hmm. to the cash register, and it has to earn its end cap in a bookstore, whether it gets end cap space or just spine out space right? All that has to be earned. And it's all pretty relentlessly measured. And as an entrepreneur, as an individual, we actually, it's actually easier for us to do that than it is for big enterprises to uh, do uh, do it. But but we tend not to do it when we should and when we could. Um, I, I was sitting with, as I said, the CEO at Tupperware, and they're in 38 countries. And every Monday, everybody reports in who is running every company because they own multiple companies in every one of these countries. And he went and got me the reporting data. And they could go all the way down. He could go drill all the way down and talk about individual home parties
2: hmm. that
1: happened on Thursday night <laughs> in Botswana. Wow. And, and, and the dollars per head versus the dollars per head – the week before, the dollars per head by other people in other places. So they're like micromanaging mm-hmm. productivity and profitability. And and I try and do that for myself as an individual. I try and teach people to do it. Um, and it, it sounds restrictive, but it actually winds up being liberating mm. because it helps you get rid of a lot of crap.
0: Yeah. You're very focused at that point.
1: Yeah. Well, let me
0: ask you a, a couple key things here that are still on my mind. Uh, you make time for writing just like you make time for your phone calls. So when you sit down, are you, too many people wait for inspiration. And so I'm trying to find out from you is, is I know your brain was working on your writing. You're going to sit down and you're kind of taking dictation at that point. But what do you do if there's a dry spell? What if you're doing if you sit down and this is your writing day and your brain didn't give you anything and you're looking at your white page in your typewriter on your computer or however you're writing?
1: What do I you don't do that? have them.
0: You don't have Why don't you have them?
1: Um, I don't have them. Um, um, and I haven't for many, 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 many years um, because uh, I've conditioned my mind not to have them. Mm. So if I... Um, well, so tomorrow morning from 7 to 9.30... I'm revising a sales letter for a client. Now, it's got to be done by 9.30 because I have something else scheduled to start at 9.31. Hmm. And my mind knows that.
0: Now, wait a minute. Do you not take a break?
1: During that period of time? No, I, I won't take, take a break.
0: But you have another assignment at 9.31? Yeah. You don't go to the bathroom? You don't get coffee? You don't rub Buddha's belly? No, I'm belly. kind of you a
1: camel, actually. I can go three or four hours without it. <laughs> Um um but um, and and if you're and if you're really in the zone, mm. um, you, you don't really want those breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So my mind knows when we're going to start. My mind knows when we're going to finish. Uh, my mind knows we're going to be done. Um, there's no there's no extra time to be used looking out the window, or waiting for inspiration. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, I'm not writing from a blank slate either. Mm-hmm. So there's some mechanical, there's some process to this of making sure that you have raw material, that you have fodder, that you have swipe files.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, for the monthly newsletter, the material's been accumulated all month long in a box mm-hmm. that is now going to turn into that news- newsletter. So, you know, there's nothing worse than sitting down with a keyboard and a blank piece of paper. Yes, exactly. Um, so, so, again, there's there's the mental aspect of this. But then there's process aspect, mm-hmm. and the process is so good that I, in my mind, can rely on it uh, to be productive. Um, and so is that
0: from your Maxwell Maltz training, or is there something
1: else here? Some of it's you're... from that side. Mm-hmm. Some of it's from uh, from process side. Mm-hmm. From studying both advertising and 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 nonfiction. Writers, hmm. what they say about how they work, um, and and some of it is from from business, from discipline. Um, so it's a combination of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm but, getting
0: but, edgy here because I'm noticing the time, and I want to honor our time here. And I want you to give out your website here in a second that you have for our listeners. The other thing that jumped out in your book, the, and we've been talking about no BS, wealth attraction in the new economy, but I say get all of Dan's books and all of the pieces of the puzzle will come together in terms of process and everything else. But you have a section on giving and giving money when you talk about saving money and investing money and giving money. And I've talked about giving money and written about it before, and I find it's another one of those issues where people nod their head but don't do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: What, uh, what, what is your take on that? Why is giving so important and why don't we do it?
1: well i think they, i I think first of all, the resistance to not doing it is that because on a logical level it doesn't make any sense
2: right mm-hmm.
1: we, We've been taught uh schoolbook math, yeah and so if you subtract, you have less mm-hmm. right and so it, it, the idea that you can subtract and have more does not compute so I think that's a big obstacle right right um I think another obstacle is is it happens to be one of those character issues that people give lip service to, but, you know, really mm-hmm. are more selfish um, than they would like to admit, mostly out of misunderstanding of how money works and fear and and the absence of an abundance mentality and so so forth.
0: Well, you once told me, and I forget who you got it from, but it was the window that you end up receiving your wealth through is made by the window you create by giving.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a line from Dr. Edward Kramer. Ah. um, And Kramer, in verbatim, Kramer's line is is that 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 the hole you receive through is the hole you give give through.
2: Ah, uh, got it.
1: And and, and and it was said by somebody else, Emerson, I think that you can't receive much with a closed fist. Mm -hmm. And so um, this is an easy thing to prove to yourself, though, in a short period of time. I mean, if somebody just does the exercise of beginning to give a fixed percentage of everything that comes to them as quickly as they get it, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the results will reveal themselves to them in a very short period of time.
0: How much should they be giving when you say fixed percentage?
1: Well... My old mentor about this, Foster Hibbert, used to say somewhere between 1% and 10% is a good place to start. 0% doesn't seem to work very well, and almost nobody will agree to more than 10. Right. (laughs) So somewhere between 1 and 10 is a good place to start. And then the second question is, where do you give? Um, Anywhere you like that you are not seeking. A direct quid pro quo. Mm-hmm. So it can be over tipping someone, a waiter or mm-hmm. waitress mm-hmm. who is really working hard and doing a great, great job. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be an organized charity, church. It doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. um, as as long as it's genuine gift.
0: Got it. Well, look, I've been talking to uh, Dan Kennedy, one of my favorite marketers, the living legend marketer of all time, as far as I'm concerned. And all of these books, you should be getting them. Just go to Amazon, look up the titles. We've been talking about No BS, Wealth Attraction for the New Economy. And, Dan, you have a link or an offer or something for folks?
1: Yeah, we set up for you, uh, 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 I hope it's up and running.
0: Mm-hmm. By
1: the time everybody hears this, it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they go to renegademillionaire.com forward slash Vitale, Um they're going to find an opportunity to get an electronic version of my entire Renegade millionaire marketing product. Oh wow, for a buck. What? Um, uh, and, uh, and with it, a uh, two-month uh, free test drive of my me- membership with my news newsletter and
2: mm-hmm.
1: all webinars and all of that, uh, with no requirement to cont- continue. Um, and uh, that's an offer just for your, your, your uh, folks.
0: Wow, thank you. So that's dot RenegadeMillionaire.com
1: forward slash J Vitale. All
0: right, RenegadeMillionaire.com forward slash J-V-I-T-A-L-E. For a buck?
1: And, of course, again, all the books are AmazonBNN.com or NoBSBooks.com.
0: Yes. Dan, is there a, a thought you want people to walk away with or something you want them to do here in our last minute?
1: You know, I, look. I would just reinforce that um, that the whole premise, the whole activity of wealth attraction, um, mm-hmm. is is a marriage of the mental game with behavior and process, mm-hmm. and neither side of that works real well without the other.
0: Well said. Dan, I can't thank you enough. Everybody listening, go to www.renegademillionaire.com forward slash J Vitale, my last name, V-I-T-A-L-E. Thank you, Dan. This has been fantastic.
1: Thanks, Joe. You were very generous. It's an honor to be with you anytime I can. Thank you.